0: not that why you made the food anyway is because you wanted people to enjoy it? There's no reason. And it's like the best chefs in the world write cookbooks on their recipes, right? And these are people that, you know, if like they have the biggest reason to hold secrets to themselves because like that's their livelihood. Like if they release the recipe, maybe some other restaurant will just copy it, make the same thing. They release it and it's like, and then you for some reason think that your recipe is so special that you're going to keep it to yourself. No, it's not. Like your recipe isn't unique. I guarantee someone else has the same thing. You can find some random technique on YouTube on like why the thing is good. Just share it. It makes everybody happier.
1: All right, Alex, welcome. Hey. So, what is going on in your life? What's new?
0: Um I guess so I just started my like cooking account. So, well, I guess I didn't just start it. I just kind of restarted it, posting videos. Um, yeah, so I guess I can just yeah walk you through that. So I, I think it was over COVID. Um, I was, or I guess so before COVID, it was my junior year in high school, and I was like super busy with just like school and swimming, and I basically had like no free time. Uh, and then COVID happened and I had, you know, suddenly like infinite free time because there was no school. I like swimming was canceled. I just had like nothing to do basically. So I just decided to start like cooking because I've always liked cooking, but it was more like here and there. I was probably more of like a baker anyway. And then... I don't know. I just I just fell with all this free time. I wanted to start cooking. I figured it was a good time anyway because you know restaurants were closed, nowhere to get good food anyway. Besides, if you're going to cook, and then I liked it, so I figured you know good way to spend my time. So I basically just cooked for probably like year, year and a half through like senior year, and I liked it. I posted pictures on like a little food Instagram for my friends and family to see, and then. When I went to college, I wasn't able to continue doing it just because, like, I could tech, like I could still do it if I really wanted to, in like the dorm kitchen or whatever. But it, it's just not great, like cooking in there. And I also didn't have like really any good cookie utensils or like anything like that, so I just kind of postponed it. And then I didn't really think much of it because when I did it, it was just kind of for fun anyway. Like, I just posed pictures and, you know, whatever. And then I guess in the back of my head, it was always like, you know, like, what if you did videos? You know, like, what? Maybe, like, something could happen. It could be interesting. But I think, like, now for me, I've just... I think it's kind of the same thing where I... Like since I'm living, you know, alone in my door in my apartment, and I just didn't get a meal plan, I figured like I just cook for myself. So like it's a pretty similar thing where I figured it like really doesn't take that much extra time to record and edit like, like a cooking video, and so like there's really no downside to doing it, and it's like a pretty like limitless upside. Especially like since I'm already cooking for myself probably like three or four times a week. I you know, let's say it's you know, hour, hour and a half each. Like actually doing the recording isn't too bad. It it's a little more inconvenient than I originally thought. But it's not like so inconvenient that it, you know, changes. I, I guess it's not so inconvenient that it like makes me not want to
1: do it. Yeah. Okay. So we have here the, the skill of cooking, and then we have the, um, sort of social media, your, your way of leveraging that on social media. So first let's talk about the skill of cooking. You, I did not realize how good of a cook you were. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm, when I came over that steak, that steak that we ate was incredible. So I guess talk about your journey, learning or improving that skill. One thing, and also kind of a, question within that is one thing that I always wonder about, um, cooking people who get really good at cooking is that like to master a skill, you have to, you're inevitably going to mess up and mm-hmm. messing up in cooking is just so brutal. Cause I would not, <laughs> if I was learning to cook, I would not want to be eating like garbage food because I like messed it up when I was trying to learn how to cook, you know, so I could learn the skill. So, I mean, <laughs> how do you work around that challenge cuz I I assume that every meal you've ever cooked hasn't been, you know, as good as that steak was. So, how did you how do you like work around that challenge of like, you know, having to mess up in order to in order to learn? Yeah,
0: I've definitely messed up a lot. I mean, I have like burns on my hands and like arms from like when I've just completely like done something stupid. Um, no, I mean, even recently, like for me, every time I, like, get back into cooking, I always, like, have just some, like, dumb mistake. And then, like, it just kind of, like, you know, bites me in the ass. And then I, like, remember, like, oh, yeah, okay, don't do that. Like, I literally, the first time I cooked here, I think, I, like, took uh, the the pot out of the oven. And then I just put it on my stove. And I forgot I'd taken it out of the oven. And so I went to grab (laughs) it with my hand. And it's, like, 500 degrees. And it's just, like... (laughs) Like, it's not actually that bad because, like, the instant you grab it, you like let go immediately. So, it's like, it's just you know, it's like it's a a pretty small burn. Um, wait, so let me go back. So, you're asking about the skill of cooking, how it develops. And I guess, yeah, Yeah. I mean, just thinking about it, I've been cooking for a super long time because I just remember. Like some of my youngest memories are like cooking or like baking with my mom in the kitchen, and so like i I think like I remember the story goes like so I as a kid, I was like super territorial of like the house, and so like when my brother's friends would come over, apparently I would just be like a pain in the ass like I would be like like I didn't want people like 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 near my stuff or anything right. And so like one day my mom was like baking muffins and I'm just like, you know, being a menace. And then she's just like, okay, Alex, like come here, like ha- help me bake. And then I, I don't like I guess from there it just kinda took off. And I liked it doing it. And then, you know, every time she'd like bake something, you know, she'd ask for my help and I'd, you know, join in. I'd be a little more mellow for a little bit. I wouldn't be, you know, terrorizing the guests or whatever. And then I guess like so that was kind of the start of it and i've always liked cooking i mean when i was living at home i remember I'd, I'd always bake like cakes and stuff for like my brother's birthdays and i'd always like experimenting with you know foods And i mean yeah there are definitely times when, like i mean honestly baking wise like i never really did anything super difficult baking so like i I definitely like screwed up, you know, like I'd overcook a cake a little bit or like if I'd make pancakes, like they wouldn't be like brown enough. But I've never really with baking, at least I've never had like something where like it just turns out completely horrid. And I think that's just because baking is like if you just stick to the recipe, it's pretty hard to mess up with baking. Because, like, mm-hmm. especially if you watch, like, a video or something, you, you, like, you know what they mean by, like, you know, like, sift the ingredients and, you know, liquid, you know, goes into the dry, like, makes all the dry... Like, it's just, like, it's a lot of things that, like, just kind of make intuitive sense. And so as long as you follow the instructions, you're going to do fine. Uh, I didn't really start cooking, though, like, a lot until, like, that, like, when I started posting. And that's when I just messed up a lot. Like, the first time I made a steak, I mean, that thing was... It was overcooked. I mean, it was, you know, barely even pink in the middle. And I remember, like, I was always, like, I always thought of myself as like, pretty good at cooking. So, like, the first time I made a steak and it just fucked up, I was like, shit. Like, this is, like, annoying. But, I mean, from there, it's just about practice. You know, Mm. like, at this point, I've made, I don't know, like, probably hundreds of steaks. And so, at this point, like, it's pretty – like, I can pretty clearly – I mean – There still is, like, a bit of a gray area between, like, you know, like, rare and medium, rare and, like, medium. But, like, in terms of that, like, you can kind of guess that, like, you know, I think it's done. It's a lot about timing, too. Like, I know the steak when I cooked for you, like, I got those at the farmer's market. And they're actually a lot thinner than the steaks I'm used to. So I had to, like, adjust the time. And I was, like, not sure if it was going to be, like, right or not. But, I mean, it ended up being fine. And then at that point, you kind of just, like, remember, like, okay, that steak was, you know, three quarters of an inch, and that took, you know, six minutes to cook. And then, you know, you have that information. And I know from home, if I have, like, an inch and a half steak, it'll be more like, you know, nine to ten minutes on a pan, on a grill, it'll change. But it's just a lot of, like, experience. Like, you learn, you remember when things went well, you remember when things didn't go well, and then you just try to, you know, optimize that, I guess. Mm -hmm. Now, I was just remembering, like, so, like, the steak I've messed up. I remember one time I made this halibut dish, and it was just disgusting. I overcooked it, and it was just, like, complete rubber. Like, it was just, it was terrible. But it's, honestly, nowadays, I think it's, like, it's not that hard to become, like, good at making one dish. Because there's so many good videos online. So, like, if you just watch a video and analyze it, and then repeat the video, like, you can do that. And you can make a good dish. And then like the thing with cooking is everything kind of builds on itself because like every like technique you can apply to other like dishes. And so that's like something mm. I I got pretty good at over you know like the year and a half where I just cook like basically every day. And then I've like regressed now because now like my like fla- like my palate and my flavor profiles, and like when I think like my creativity kind of like when I think about how to make something, like it's not fully there. Like it's not the same as like when I was just cooking a lot. And I mean it makes sense, obviously. Cause like if like if you I mean, I don't know, I would just like if Bennett like juggled, right? And he just like stopped juggling for two years, like it definitely would be kind of like hard to like get back into it, I imagine. And so yeah. I like I figure, you know, for me now, it's just like it's just time that I need to spend. Like, literally, it's just time in the kitchen. Like, if I just spend more time in the kitchen, more time cooking, I'm sure it'll come back. But there's, like, a part of me that's, like, annoyed because it's, like, you know, it's, like, I remember, like, because, you know, I have, like, five ingredients, and I'll be, like, yeah, what should I make with this? And it's, like, like I'm not totally sure, like, immediately. Whereas, like, in the past, I'd see five ingredients, and I'd be, like, okay, like, you know, there's, like, here's, like, three things I could make. I feel the most, like, this one, like, this one would be short, too. All right, here we go. Now it's like
1: a little more tedious. Mm -hmm. You sort of alluded to this question uh, at one point when you were talking, but how do you – and you talked about it a bit. How do you balance uh, breadth and depth in terms of the meals that you're mastering? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I think for me it basically just comes down to what I'm interested in. So like if I am like super interested in making one specific thing – I'll, like, study it. So I remember, like, a good example of this would be croissants. Like, everybody now, like, croissants, a lot of food products nowadays have become, like, very commoditized, and so, like, people don't actually realize the amount of effort that goes into making, like, something simple. So, like, a good example is croissants, because, like, you can buy a croissant for, like, two bucks, right, and you just, oh, yeah, this is, like, pretty good. And then like, you know, maybe you'll see a croissant for like five bucks and you're like, oh, you know, that's like overpriced. Like, what am I paying for? This is ridiculous. But like the actual process of making croissant is very difficult and like labor intensive. I basically tried it
1: simply because I knew it was hard and I wanted to see if I could do it. Do you think generally speaking, you could put words to like what it is about cooking a good meal that's so satisfying and meaningful to you? I've actually been thinking about this a lot. And I think
0: it's, I mean, it's a good question because one thing that definitely makes the experience better is like sharing the meal because I know like this isn't something I really realized until this year because when I was home over COVID, I was always cooking for my family, right? They were all there. And so I cook for all of them. And then now I cook for myself and I just like eat by myself. And it's like a completely different experience, right? And so I think eating by yourself is something that is very beneficial if you are like hyper-focused on analyzing the food, right? Because like if you go to a restaurant – and you, like, you're by yourself. It's it's so much easier to just, like, sit there and, like, actually, like, experience, like, the, like, the, the, like, the different. Okay, I guess, like, I'm thinking of, like, a tasting menu. But, like, it's easier to experience, like, the different, like, ways that the chef is, like, really trying to, like, get you to eat these, like, dishes and actually... I don't know, I guess, like, fully experience what, like, the chef is doing. Or I was, like, when you're with people, it's very distracting. Um, So I always thought in my head, like, oh, you know, eating by ourselves is always better. But it's actually not, right? Because, like, when you're with other people, it just, like, makes the overall experience better. And so, like, I know for me personally, I realized, like, I actually like sharing more than, like, I thought. Because, like, I always thought of myself, frankly, as more like a, you know, like, self so, like not like selfish per se, but just like more like to myself. Like you know, like, you know everything, mm-hmm. like I'm I just want to do it for me. But it, it really is more enjoyable to like share food. And like I think if I really analyze it, it's just that like well part of it is just that like it's nice being with people that like you like and then like sharing it and everyone having a good time. Yeah.
1: That's so perhaps part it's of it. a, It's a vessel that allows you to connect with other people. Would you say? Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. I think that's true. And then there's also part of it that... I mean, I guess so personally, like when I do something, I get like hyper-obsessed and I want to become like very good at like this certain thing. And Frankly, like what I get obsessed with is like often kind of random. And like, I don't personally know why I get obsessed with certain things, but cooking is just one of the things that I've gotten obsessed with. And that like obsession carries out to like me wanting to like get better and make better food and like always, you know, improve my technique and find ways that, you know, I can get better. And I think that has like that's part of cooking but i think that's also just like kind of part of my personality and then it like kind of takes it's like experience through food for other people
1: Mm. yeah it's sort of it's a hard question and i acknowledge that because it sort of speaks to the idea of like are people really driven by rational uh ideas or is it just some innate feeling that you have randomly towards a specific hobby plus discipline You know, it's like with my with a lot of my passions, like I I played basketball in high school. Like I I didn't know if somebody asked me, what do you like about basketball? I don't know if I could have described it. It's just there's some there's something inside of me that's just like pushes me in the direction towards the basketball. So Mm -hmm. I I imagine I I imagine you sort of relate to that with cooking or, or I don't know if you want to talk about swimming at all. But, you know, passions like that.
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting because I was just thinking about swimming. It's, for me, like, it's very similar but, like, also different. Because, like, I did swimming and I did it a lot. But I never actually, like, found myself loving it. I kind of just did it because, like, I did it. Like, I, I, like, there's no real reason why I swam other than...
1: Like, you why. you consider is it that you just are a swimmer and it's just so intrinsically tied to your identity and that therefore I think no, it's, you know, it's it? not
0: even that. It's more like
1: I had this idea,
0: probably like from you know, just my family that like, you know, kids do sports. So I had like this idea and then I tried out, you know, a bunch of different sports and I was never like a team guy. Like I was never, you know, baseball or basketball. And then I just swam since I was, like, five. So it just kind of made sense for me to just swim. And, like, I never liked it, never disliked it. I just kind of, like, you know, got to do a sport. I don't mind swimming. You know, I don't like doing, you know, these ball sports. So I'll, I'll try swimming. And I just ended up doing it and never really thinking of, like, why I'm doing it. And I just kind of continued doing it. But swimming, let me tell you, is some of the most brutal conditioning that like you can ever do. It's like, when I remember the swim workouts that I did nowadays, it's like, I'm not even like working out. Like I'm just going to the gym for fun. You know, like I'm not, I'm not pushing myself. Like I'm not, it's like, it's so, it's so different now. Like having like the team around you and having like the coach just like push you and having like just swimming,
1: is it's just terrible it really is terrible okay and first of all so you never questioned whether or not you should be swimming like why i want to press on that a little bit like why why would you never think to yourself like do i need to be doing this like do i need to be fitting the norm doing what other people think i should do like why how does that not cross your head
0: I know that. always oh, that crossed my head a lot. I mean, like, every day, I, like I go to practice, I'd just be like, "Why the hell am I here?" But like at the end of the day, after practice, I'd always feel like better, and that's just like from working out. Like you just feel better from working out. And the easiest way for me to work out is like I need a routine. Basically, like once I'm in a routine, it's really hard for me to break it. So whether that's like a good routine or a bad routine, it, it's just hard for me to get out of it. Swimming was just part of my routine, so I just did it. Is is it's basically mm-hmm. just what happened.
1: Yeah. Um I want to talk about actually real quick. So back to the so we've sort of covered how you've, you know, grown as a as a chef, but now why why take that to social media? That's a good question,
0: I think. I guess there are two reasons. So the first one is I, so I kind of touched on this a little bit, but like the amount of time it takes me to cook, right? So let's say it takes like an hour and a half to cook a dish. The time it takes me to f- like the extra like, time it would take to just like film and edit it is maybe, you know, 30 minutes to an hour. And when I think about it, it's like, okay, do I have an extra hour in my day that I can make? Now, this isn't even like every day, right? Because this is like I cook three times. So this is like literally three times a week, four times a week. Do I have three extra hours in a week? Yes. Like everybody has three hours in a week that they can spend doing something, right? Like if they just optimize like a couple of things. And so I can do it. And then the downside is minimal, right? It's three hours a week. And at most it's going to be nothing. And then the upside is, you know, potentially... A lot because I mean just like the way social media works you know the following all that like I don't really want to think about that like I think of the upside more is just like I know that like my friends and family like seeing the videos and so Mm -hmm. you know if I can spend 30 minutes and I can you know just make them a little happy to like see like what I'm doing that I mean that's like enough
1: for me are you are you chasing views in the future or is that like, are you sort of brushing that off as like, I, I can't focus on this thing that's out of my control or is it like, or do you just genuinely not care? What would you say? Uh, no, I mean,
0: I definitely, I definitely care. Um, but in terms so of what I focus on, okay. Yeah. In terms of what I focus on, I try to focus more on just like making, <clears throat> just making a good video that's entertaining. And I genuinely believe that, like, there's a lot of luck with social media, right? In terms of, like, which specific video is going to go viral. But if you are putting out consistently good content, it's you're bound to go viral eventually. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, one of those situations where, like, there's luck, but, like, you can influence the luck right because if you yeah like a lot of people and this actually like i think about this too sometimes it's like a lot of people always like we're like oh you know you're just a lucky guy you know blah 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 and it's like yeah sure but like you also okay this is actually wow well, okay never mind this you <laughs> have to put yourself in situations to get lucky right because like if yeah. i'm just at home all the time watching tv and doing nothing right? And then I see someone go viral on TikTok. It's like, yeah, sure. They got lucky, but they also spent the time to make a video that went viral. So they're putting themselves in a position to get lucky. And so if you Hmm. just are constantly putting yourselves in positions where you can get lucky, you're going to get lucky. Like it's just going to happen. And like at that point, like, is it really luck? Like, yeah, it's still luck, but like, it still takes effort and time and like just persistence to like, can, Continuing continuously do that.
1: Yeah, no that that makes sense. I mean we we we've talked on this podcast um, with other guests as well, especially Bennett. Bennett will talk about that a lot. It's like yes, there's a probability element, but the people who manipulate the principles of probability the best end up winning. And it's sort of like in poker how the you know the five guys it's this, it's always the same five guys in the poker championships, regardless of the fact that people will say that the game is luck but okay yeah so interesting, though, because
0: this is like off topic so i'll just touch on it briefly but poker is very interesting because there actually is a game theory optimal way to play poker such that over like large like a large sample size you can have a positive expected value yeah so if you just play like a thousand matches of poker you can like technically have a positive expected value if you play like strictly game theory optimal, which is actually yeah. a lot of, like how the pros play, and then they'll mm-hmm. factor in like a little bit of like the you know like the people analyzing the opponents um, and all that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, okay, that, that's anyway. a good thing
1: to point out. Yeah. Um. So, did you have you had any like? Oh, here's what I wanted to ask about. So yesterday we were kind of talking about making making it meaningful to edit these videos and editing sucks it's it just it sucks there's no if you disagree with me then more power to you but i mean i think in both of our experiences we just don't like editing whatever videos or podcasts or whatever it is so Mm -hmm. how are you how do you try to make that like what do you How do you make that meaningful how do you stay motivated to do something that is just bad and unenjoyable
0: it's a good question because i haven't found a way to find it meaning to make it meaningful one thing i'm trying to do though just so that i'm more consistent because i mean i haven't posted in you know a week and a half and that's not even the thing is it's not even because i don't have edited videos That's because I haven't taken the effort to export the videos to my phone and then upload them. But, okay, so the question of how to make it meaningful. I think for me, I know it has value, right? Because you have to edit in order to post. And so you have to do it. So it doesn't matter if you like doing it or you don't like doing it. You just, you have to do it. And so the easiest way for me to do it is just to like fit it into my routine It's just saying like and this is what i'm trying to do i haven't done it yet because you know just like you kind of have to figure out the times but i basically just want to give myself like okay wednesday nights from seven to eight that's my editing time and then like once i figure that out and like i can kind of fit it into my week it'll just like i'm just gonna i mean frankly i'll just do it mindlessly you know just kinda of turn off the brain for an hour, do it, and then
1: and then you know, just kind of suck it up and do it. Yeah, so it's interesting, and I think I've talked to you guys about this before, but habit and and routine is such a powerful thing when it comes to discipline. Cause like with basketball, I'd say that was the thing that I was uh and at least compare compared to other people and compared to myself was the thing that like I was by far the most disciplined in. Cause it was literally like for five years uh six years even like every night after school i would just like i would get shots up and and train and work on my game and the way that i kept that up was that like yes there were days that i didn't really want to or and there were also days that i really wanted to like i still had that fluctuation but i got to a point where like the habit of going and training was like so ingrained in my so deeply embedded in my brain that it was like, there was no questioning whether I wanted to or not. It was just something that I did. Like, I, it was such a force of habit and such such a routine by that point that like, when I got to high school, after school, like once my homework was done, there was no questioning like, do I go to the gym today? Do I not go to the It was just like, I'm packing my shit and going, you know, because it's just such yeah. a it's like when you, when you make a routine that's strong, your emotions start to like become insignificant because it's just something that's like, you can't, it takes so much work to, it takes more work to skip it than to do it at that point, because you're basically mindlessly going. So you have to work to pull yourself away from it once it's, once you have the routine. So, uh, you know embedded in the schedule you know what i mean
0: yeah no i agree i like i i need a routine because i just follow my routine and so like i always it's not even necessarily a good thing because if i get into a bad routine it's so hard for me to get out of a bad routine Mm. and so like for me usually when i go home i just turn into like a blob because you know i'll like literally, you know, day I, w- I wake up and I'll be like, okay, you know, it's like, because when I fly home, it t- I mean, I have to, I literally have to catch like a 5.30 flight. So it's like early. So I get, so I get my flight, I wake up at like, you know, let's say four. And it's, it's always in the back of my mind. It's like, you know, should I wake up a little bit earlier so I can like work out first? And then it's like, okay, no, I'm not waking up at three to work out for an hour. <laughs> like, there's just not, like, I'm not going to do that. So it's like, okay, I'll take a day off and then I'll do it tomorrow. Right. So I fly and then I get home and then, like, I mean, I'm not even joking. This literally happens, like, every time. But, I like, the next the day, I'm like, oh, you know, I just had a long day of travel. I'll get myself, like, one more day off, you know? And then so, you know, say I find one Saturday. I didn't do anything. Or Friday, I didn't do anything. <laughs> Saturday, and then I wake up. I don't do anything. And then Sunday, you know, maybe I'll get up and go on a run. And it's like, oh, nice. Okay, I did a run. And then it just, like, progressively, I just kind of fall out of the routine until I'm just doing, like, you know i'm working out maybe 3 times a week and it's like it actually like i have to like consciously be like oh, okay you know you haven't done something yesterday like let's do, let's do something and then like whereas when i'm at school i just like i just stick to my routine and so i like it's i just do it right so i get up at 6:30 i work out i'll make my you know breakfast or whatever go to class get back and then i'll either do work probably do work for a bit, then I'll cook. Then maybe I'll edit. And then that's you know 8 p.m. maybe I'll hang out for like two hours. Yeah, probably about two hours. And then I'll do a little bit of stretching and go to bed at 10 30. That's like I literally just do that every day. It just it's just my routine. And that's like a difference between like for me a good routine at school And then when I'm at home, I just turn into a blob and I just watch TV, you know, and I just do absolutely
1: nothing. Yeah. What is it? I don't know what it is about the changing of external circumstances that just completely like changes my behavior. It's so weird. Like my routine will just completely get, cause I noticed the same thing. Like at school, I was just, I'm just, it's almost robotic. Like how I'm, you know, going to class, going to the study room, going to the gym Going to the dining hall, going to bed, like, and then I get home and it's like I can't, like I, I, it was literally a a couple days ago where I literally couldn't get out of bed, like that never that never happens to me, but yeah, I I couldn't get out of bed, it was so weird, <laughs> I was just glued to my bed, I don't know, yeah, I know,
0: uh, I mean it's just that like home is so like comfortable. And it just, like, completely yeah. changes our, like, perspective. Because, like, when I'm at school, I'm never, like, like, I never consider my apartment room or my dorm room, like, whatever I was in at school. That was never my home, right? Like, I always, like, home for me was always, you know, back in California. And this is, like, a super dumb thing. But, like, I remember, like, specifically, like, I never say, like, I'm going home. Like, like because if I'm, like, you know, out with friends or whatever. Yeah, because I, I, you know, because I go out, you know, no, <laughs> if I'm like with people, yeah. you know, and then I'm like, you know, I'm and I'm going back, I'll never be like, okay, I'm gonna go home now. Like, I always say, like, oh, I'm gonna go back to my dorm. I'm like, I'm gonna go back to my apartment. And if I like, and if I do say home, I always like correct myself. It's like, no, I'm going back to my apartment homes and like, you know, and it's like, I don't know why I do this, but it's like, it's just,
1: it's just so separate for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely relate to that. I mean, but does it still... Because for me, I've only been at school for like two months and it definitely does not feel like home yet. But mm-hmm. you've been there for, for over two years. Does it... And it still doesn't... Like, <laughs> am I always going to feel this way? <laughs> like, does it... No, does it okay, okay. Feel I, like home? I think
0: it depends a lot on like how you view it. Because it's like... I, like, I don't know, like, I kind of, like, create the barrier, like, for myself. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, like, a lot of people don't. But, like, it's because I, like, I want to have that barrier. Like, I don't know why, but, like, I don't, like, okay, the way I view it is, is, like, when you're in high school, right, like, you go home at the end of the day. And so, like, you're at school, and then you go home. Whereas, like, in college, you can look at it the same way, right? Like, you can look at it as, you know, you go to class and then you go home at the end of the day. You go to class, you go home. But, like, I kind of view it as, like, when I'm at school, I'm at school. And so, like, whether I'm at, you know, in my apartment or in my dorm or at school, like, I'm at school. And then, like, when I'm home, you know, that's, for me, that's, like, winter break, I'm home. For, like, summer break, I'm home. And so, like, that's not... It's hard to explain because like that's not there, like, it, I don't yeah, feel yeah,
1: uncomfortable when I'm at school. Is it possible it's just that, that it's, like the semantics of it like are making a substantial difference? Like is it like if you just started calling your apartment home, would that you think that would change anything? Or is that irrelevant? Does that reveal something deeper?
0: I think it's just for me, it's just like semantics. Like I, I'm just particular about like what I consider home because mm. it's like, I am so comfortable at home that like, it's like, for me, it's like to consider my apartment home would be like disrespectful to home. Like that's not home. You know what I mean? Like that's not yeah. what like
1: peak comfort is. Makes sense. Um. So I want to transition So one of the things that I find most interesting about you is your obsession with Goggins. And I think a lot of people, it's funny because a lot of people will like not take him seriously or, um, you know, they'll understand the value that he provides, but they, they might joke about him a little bit. Um, Why, like what, talk about what he's done for you and how he's you know, changed your mindset and helped you.
0: Yeah. I mean, so I think, Like, it's not just Goggins for me. It's, like, I have, like, a lot of people that I look up to. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important for everyone to have, like, the people that they look up to. But I think, like, there's a fine line between, like, looking up to someone for inspiration and then, like, idolizing them. And I think it's, like, a lot of people fall into, like, the idealization camp. And I think it's a very dangerous place to be because... Nobody's perfect. Like, everyone is always going to have some flaws. And so, like, when you idealize someone, right? Like, you see this person as like you want to be this person, and then you see their flaws. And then you start like questioning yourself, like, oh, you know, why am I even doing this? Like, I don't look at like, you know, they're, you know, doing this bad thing. I don't look up to them. Like, I don't want to, you know, follow them anymore. And it's just like, it's so dumb to me to like think that way. And, like, the way I try to view these people, like Goggins and Jocko, you know, wrote, like, all of these people, even, like, Steve Jobs and, you know, Elon Musk, is it's, like, you should idealize and, like, up to certain parts of what they're doing, but not them as a person. And so it's, like, when you take these snippets of what the person is, like, that's what you should aspire to be like. So it's, like, you should never aspire to be a person, but you can aspire to be more like this aspect of a person. And so for me, like I kind of, like I got out of my, like a routine for like a while and I wasn't working out as much and I was just kind of being lazy, not doing anything. And so like I saw Goggins and then it's kind of like he's so far like on the extreme, you know, Yeah. yeah. And it's like, it just like makes you feel like if he's that far, like if he's the 100, I can at least go from like, you know, maybe let's say I'm at like 10 and he's at a hundred. I can at least go from like 10 to 20. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, of course I can, because if he's at a hundred and he exists, then I know that like, I can, you know, step it up a little bit. And so for me, that just helped. Cause like, it was a point where I was just like, I was so lazy. I wasn't like, I was going to the gym, but like, you know, it's like, you just go to the gym, you do a couple things and you leave. And like, I wasn't running, I wasn't really doing anything. And then it kind of tied in a lot, like Goggins. I'm trying to remember when I got into Goggins. I think I got into Goggins from listening to the Rogan. And yeah. then after that, I started listening to like Huberman and Peter Atia. And so I took all these like different people I was hearing and I tried to just apply it to my life. And I think like the main interest I have is like the idea of longevity and then like the way Goggins ties in. I guess okay, we can talk about longevity a little bit later, but I guess like we can focus on the like the way that Goggins ties into longevity for me is that I know that a key aspect of longevity is working out. You need to work out, mm-hmm. you need to like do things you don't want to do. And so that's like for me where Goggins steps in. And it's like that's like the motivation of the like that's where like the drive comes from to work out and, like, do the things you don't want to do. Not because, like... why? Like, because it is... I mean, not because you have to, but, like, because...
1: you, like, want to watch well, it. I don't know. It's delayed gratification, I'd say. And the value yeah. that that provides. Yeah. Now, yeah. the, the delayed
0: gratification, dude, with longevity especially, is, like, it's the most out-there boogeyman... It's like like aiming for like the longevity idea. is just – it's like sometimes I think of it and it's like so dumb because it's like it's that is the most delayed because it's like, okay, I'm going to run. I'm going to train. I'm going to eat good. I'm going to eat well.
1: And you're not going to feel – You're not going to experience – yeah, it, not till you're like 89 and outliving the your friends yeah, exactly. who died at 88. So <laughs> like how do so you –
0: Like that for me, it's the same idea with like applying sunscreen every morning. Because, like, you see these people, um, like, you know, when they're older. And everyone, like, you know, they have saggy skin. And, you know, they're getting plastic surgery and all that. And it's, like, you do realize that, like, you could have prevented most of this by just using sunscreen every day when you were younger. Like, yeah. that's it. And it's, like, I, like, I'm, like I, actually, I tell this to, like, literally everybody. Just put on sunscreen every morning. Like, if you put on sunscreen every morning. Right. And you don't have to put on like 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 actual like put on like a moisturizing like something like you know a little nicer in your skin. But like it, it'll pay you dividends in the end. Like you're gonna look healthier for so much longer from like one small thing, it'll pay you back so much in the future. And it literally takes 10 seconds a day. Like it prevents, I mean it'll prevent skin cancer, it'll prevent like all these things. And it's like it's like I love these like little things you can do that like pay off. Like just yeah, like the, the payoff is insane, right? Because it's like a cost of you know point one, and it's a payoff of like a thousand.
1: Mm-hmm. The thing is, though, you do some things that I would definitely not consider to be like small thing. Like you've taken some pretty like substantial steps to optimizing your longevity. Like you're, you, I don't know if you want to talk about your sleep schedule at all, but I I look at all these college kids who are literally sleep going to sleep at two, three, four in the morning, so. And then, and then there's you. You'll sleep like ten thirty to six thirty every night. You know, I I feel like that that takes a lot of discipline to maintain that in college. So I definitely consider that a pretty you know significant step. How do you? What motivates you to do that? How do you stay motivated to you know have a clean sleep schedule? You know, amidst all these you know, a lot of other college kids who are definitely not taking these steps towards optimizing their longevity and living a long and healthy life. You want to talk about that? You know, some of the bigger steps that might take more discipline.
0: Yeah, I mean, I try to think, I don't think the reason why I prioritize my sleep is even for longevity. I think Mm -hmm. it's, that is like instant gratification. Like it just feels better if you sleep longer. Not even longer, but like if you have a good sleep schedule. And I've always like prioritize my sleep. Because I I even remember in high school, I would, I I always slept long. Because like people, I'd always hear people like, oh, you know, I got five hours of sleep last night. And I'm always thinking like, why? Like there's no way (laughs) you're so busy with schoolwork that you, you need to do that. Because, like, for me, my level of what I consider busy now is, like, my first semester junior year where I would wake up at – I'd wake up in the morning at, like, 7, and I'd have school at 8. I'd be at school until 3. I'd have an hour to do, like, schoolwork and eat a snack. I'd have swimming from, like, 4 until 7. And then – I'd eat dinner until, you know, whatever. And then i go to bed at 11. And so I, I literally had like three hours to do all my schoolwork. And like, I had to, you know, try and, but like that to me is what busy is. And I've never been that busy again. And I don't even want to be that busy. Like, it's just, the day is so packed that it's like, like, I literally remember, like one thing I, I do sometimes, right? It's like, you get back from school And you just like, you know, go to the bathroom or something. You just like on your phone for a little bit, you know, just like swiping like random, whatever. I literally had to consciously stop like spending the 10 minutes just like on my phone because I needed those 10 minutes to do schoolwork so that I could like after swim practice, I could, you know, go to bed or something. And so it's like you see all these people now and like everybody is always like, oh, I'm busy, you know. And it, like, busy is, I think, one of the most, like, cop-out answers that, like, people can give. And, like, I fall into it, too, because, like, I think of myself, like, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm busy, I can't do it. And it's like, everybody is busy, right? Like, everybody is busy. It doesn't, like, it doesn't mean anything. And everybody makes time to do the things that they want to do, right? Like, if you want to do something, it does not matter how busy you are. You're going to still do it. And so for me, it's just like, I want to sleep is really what it is. Like I just, I prioritize my sleep so much. that Like I want to do it. And so if that means that, you know, I'm going to, you know, leave some event early so that I can go to bed early, I will. <laughs> and if, you know, that means, you know, maybe I'll, uh, I mean, it's basically just like I, I prioritize my sleep, but it's also not like, Like, I don't not make exceptions, because, like, I think it's, that's, like, a, it's, like, a really important and, like, fine line you kind of have to toe. Yeah,
1: so, I actually, I heard someone once say that, like, having an obsession with health is paradoxically a little bit unhealthy. So, you have to regulate how strict you are about maintaining your health in order to you know, again, paradoxically stay healthy. Like there's an extent to which being neurotic about going to sleep at the exact same time every, like that is not psychologically or physically optimal. So how do you regulate that and make sure that you're not, you know, being too hard on yourself for every, you know, small variation in these habits?
0: It's hard. It's something that you kind of have to... Like, you can't plan for it, right? And you can't really get better at it as much as you can just acknowledge it. So it's, it, it like, I guess you can get better at that. I don't know. But, like, for me, so first semester of my sophomore year, so last year, I, like, was... it. I mean, it was not great, but, like, I was on like I put myself on such a strict routine that like I would not deviate from it at all right so like I would go to bed at the same time every night I'd brush my teeth you know I'd have like my nighttime routine I'd do that I'd always wake up I'd have you know similar like it was it was just not great you know in terms of like like it's so obsessed and I think like just one thing I had to work on and so then like second semester right That's, like, when I would be, like, talking with, like, Bennett and Manu more. And so, you know, it would be 10 o'clock or whatever, and I'd, like, see the time. And I'd be, like, okay, I want to go back now so I can, like, take a shower and go to bed by 11. But I'd be, like, but it doesn't really matter. Like, it's a Friday night. It doesn't matter if I stay for an extra two hours. I can sleep in a little bit tomorrow, and then the next day I can be back at it. Or even, like, two days I can be back at it. It's just, like, it's not going to matter that much. And so like, you just kind of have to like acknowledge when you're like feeling those things, like you, when you like want to cut something off and it's like, no, but like, you know, social connection is actually optimal to, you know, living (laughs) life. So, you know, maybe like here and there, it can be a little more flexible, but it's something I've definitely had to work on because like, I want to just stick to my routine so much. Because in my mind, I'm always like worried. It's like, okay, if I get off my routine, then you know, then I'm not gonna work out, then I'm not gonna do this. But it's like that's not gonna happen. It's just a night. It doesn't matter. Like you know, especially mm-hmm. when the things are like not inherently bad things too, like spending time with friends, you know, or like when my mom was here. And it's like yeah. I didn't want or like and then like Zachary too when he was here, my brother, like they're on like California time, like their body is on California time, which is like three hours before. So like, if I want to go to it by 10 30, that's seven 30 for them. And mm-hmm. you know, then they're not going to wake up until later anyway, because you know, cause if I would get up at six 30, that's three 30 for them. There's, they're not going to get up then. And so it's like, I want to show them around, you know, campus and things in Ithaca. And so like, that's just not possible if you know, they're waking up at eight in the morning or like nine or 10 in the morning because of just like the way their circadian rhythm is. And then I'm going to bed at seven at, you know, 1030. Like, it's just not going to work out. So you kind of have to like balance it. So like when they were here, I was like massively off my schedule. And even Mm. last week, I, uh, like I got a little bit sick and then like, I knew it wouldn't actually be good for me to like still get up at 630 a.m. Because like sleep is more important than my routine and I'm sick. I have to recover. And it was weird because like the first day I like slept in to give myself more rest. I literally couldn't sleep in. Like I got up at 630 and I lied in my bed for 30 minutes. And I was like, oh, you know, go back to sleep. Like just get some more rest, get better. And I couldn't. And so then I got up at seven and then instead of working out, I just like did some yoga to like stretch out. And and then like the next day I was able to get up at like seven, you know, it's like 30 minutes later. And then the annoying thing is now is like I'm comfortably getting up at 8. And it's, you know, Saturday, so that's fine. But I know on Monday, right, I'm feeling better now. So I have to get up at 6.30. And it's like, I know I need, like, it's going to be hard. Like, I know it's going to be hard for me to get back into my routine. And like, that's kind of like the part that worries me every time I get out of my routine. But I know I can get back into my routine. You know, like I shouldn't have this irrational fear that like by getting out of my routine, my life is, you know, suddenly everything's going to fall apart. It's like, it's not, it's just, just get back into the routine. Like, it's not a big
1: deal. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, especially with your personality as someone who's, you know, uh, you talked about it before, someone who really obsesses about your goals. I think everybody with that personality has to deal with this problem at some point. Uh, which is that like we're predisposed to being a little rigid with how we go about things. So, but the problem, which is good and that a lot of very successful people have like pretty strict routines and, you know, ways they go about doing the thing that they want to do. But the problem is there's always going to be external forces that kind of push that, you know, in a different direction, just a little bit. And it's like, how much of this do I want to like, allow versus how much of it do I want to stop is a balance that I think a lot of very driven people have to find and struggle to find. So what you would say is you have to acknowledge acknowledge the thoughts, acknowledge that you might feel like glued to this routine and that like you have to stick with the routine but you know then think rationally about okay, is this thing that I'm doing actually inherently a bad thing? Am I really doing something wrong here? Or is this me? Is this my, you know, over overly driven, you know, perhaps like, uh, uh, maybe like overly strict? Is this just an overly strict part of my brain telling me that I need to stop when in reality, this is completely fine? Would you say that that's, that's how you think about it? And that's, that's how you can sort of start working to find the balance is like, Sitting with the thoughts, noticing them, and then, you know, considering whether or not the, your inclination to cut something off is rational or not.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's basically just acknowledging that like the thing you are doing isn't bad. So, you know, why not do it?
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so do you want to talk about any of the other, uh, you know, influencers that have inspired you? So we talked about Goggins a little bit. You mentioned Jocko. I've, I've actually, I've been listening to to Jocko's podcast a little, a little bit more. Really mm-hmm. intelligent person. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about like how he's influenced you?
0: I think Jocko, for me, is pretty similar to Goggins. At least mm-hmm. right now. In terms of just like the motivation to kind of work out and do things, I know Jocko. I, so I've I've listened to both Goggins' books, and I've listened to. I think I've listened to two of Jocko's books. I think Jocko the books are more on how, like how to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the nice thing about Jocko's books is or like the ideas that he has in the books is that it's not like how it's not only like how to lead like if you're you know like a military commander or like if you're like the head of some company it's also just like how you can like lead in everyday life kind of, like if you can extrapolate the ideas because like in everyday life you are going to have to lead you know like in any like even in like a friendship Right. Like if you want to make plans and you know you invite three people, you you like if you know you have to lead them because you're the one that made plans. You have to plan it, you have to manage it, you have to lead it. And like a relationship, right? Someone has to lead. Like you you, like, there really are never equals. Like it just that it doesn't exist, right? Really. And Mm -hmm. so like someone has to lead, someone has to. You know here and there you know maybe not leading all the time because you also have to learn how to be a follower but so i think like it's those ideas that i've taken away a little bit but honestly mainly it's just like the, the motivation for yeah for Jocko and goggins i guess like two other people that i listen to and i like are peter atia and andrew huberman mm-hmm. peter Tia is more like focused on longevity can I I mean I think yeah because human isn't really focused on longevity it's more just like health optimization yeah. kind of stuff so it's not really longevity I'm listening yeah. to Peter Tia's book right now <laughs> right now I like it so far Outlive um I've, I've been listening to it for a while I don't mm. I don't know I feel like last year I was so good on listening to books because I my routine last year was I would have 60 minutes in the gym of weight training and then I would have 60 minutes in the gym of like zone two cardio on the bike and I just do that every day and the 60 minutes is great because you can just listen to a book right so you have seven hours a day just on that or seven hours a week I mean of listening to a book there plus like when you're walking Mm -hmm. to class all that you can listen recently I haven't been listening to that many podcasts or books
1: I've yeah and then okay so (laughs) this is a definitely a tangent but Earlier on, you mentioned that you wanted to talk about how people, your thoughts on people who don't share their secret ingredients and secret recipes. Oh, you yeah. Wanna go want to go on that rant right now?
0: Yeah, I, I'll i go on it briefly. It's just like for me, I just think it's so, it like goes against the idea of cooking for me because for me, like I, I, what I've realized, and this is also something I've heard from like some of the best chefs in the world, right? So this is coming from like Thomas Keller. He, he's also, he also believes this. and I remember when I first heard it, I know I thought it was you know BS, but I've realized it is that cooking is at its heart about nurturing and caring. right So people that right. like cooking in general, like like they, they're caring people, right? That's kind of like the heart of cooking. And so you get people that like you know cook something and then you know it's their, their secret recipe. And it's like why? Like, why don't you want to share it? Like, shouldn't it make you happy that, like, someone likes your dish so much that they want the recipe so they can recreate it? Plus, Plus, this is, and this is, like, the thing that really gets me. And it's, like, if you have any confidence as a chef, you should be you should know that, like, even if you give someone the recipe, they can't make it the same way you can, right? Because, like, if you write a recipe, there are so many small nuances that you're going to leave out anyway, like, just little small things that you're going to do that it doesn't matter if someone has your recipe. It's not going to be the same thing. And so if, like, if you're so insecure in yourself that you think, like, this one recipe that everybody loves is what makes you special, and, like, that's why, you know, people want to come to your barbecue or whatever is because they loved your, you know, whatever, baked potatoes. And it's like, dude, they're not special. Like, somebody just like them and asked for the recipe. Just give it to them. Like, you don't need to be an asshole about it. And it's like... <laughs> there's no reason to keep it secret. And like, even then by keeping it secret, you're not even doing any justice to the recipe. Cause like, let's say it's like your grandma's favorite recipe. Doesn't it make you feel better if like you're able to share the recipe and then they share it. And then maybe in like, you know, 50 years, a thousand people have this recipe and they're cooking it and they all love the recipe. And the story is like, Oh, I got this for my friend. It's his his grandmother's recipe. And it's like, Oh, I got this for my dad. And he got it from his friend. And, like, maybe the story will get lost eventually, but who cares? It's your grandma's recipe that people are enjoying. It's, like, isn't that the point of cooking and the point of, you know, isn't that why you made the food anyway is because you wanted people to enjoy it? There's no reason. And it's, like, the best chefs in the world write cookbooks on their recipes, right? And these are people that, you know, if like, they have the biggest reason to hold secrets to themselves because, like, that's their livelihood. Like, if they release the recipe, maybe some other restaurant will just copy it, make the same thing. They release it, and it's like – and then you, for some reason, think that your recipe is so special that you're going to keep it to yourself? No, it's not. Like, your recipe isn't unique. I guarantee someone else has the same thing. You can find some random technique on YouTube on, like, why the thing is good. Just share it. It makes everybody happier.
1: So just, just to play devil's advocate, why, why would somebody want to keep their recipe secret? You know, what, what would you – What are people's reasonings typically?
0: I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, like, the only, like, I, I should say it's okay in, like, certain circumstances, right? Like, for me, like, I understand why, like, KFC has, like, their chicken recipe secret. But, like, it's not. Like, that's, like, it's, like, secret locked away. But, like, it's not really. Like, I don't really think it's, like, because I mean, okay, maybe it is. Maybe just, like, some secret recipe. But, like, the thing is, they're changing the recipe sometimes. And, like, I'm sure you could buy some spices and get similar. And it's the same thing where even if you get the recipe, you're not going to be making the same thing. It's just not going to taste the same. So it doesn't really matter. But, like, that's the only circumstance where it's like, yeah, I kind of understand. Because at that point, it's more of, like, the idea of it than the actual recipe, you know? Because, like, Mm. people – it's not like people – actually want the kfc recipe it's just like their idea of like oh you know kfc has this unique you know spice blend and like that's why people go to KFC. it's the idea of it yeah. it's not actually like the recipe
1: the is, subjective you know, the subjective thing. so it's like the subjective experience of the product rather than objectively what it is yeah perhaps
0: but for me it's more you know. like just like when you go to like a barbecue or something and it's you know they're sort of secret whatever and there's no reason to to hide it like if you go i mean like if you go to a restaurant and you really like a dish and you ask like the chef for the, the like what the recipe is or whatever. Right. They'll probably tell you. Yeah. And I mean, like this might be like a broad version of the word, like recipe. Right. Cause like, they're not going to give you like a list of like, you know, every single step and like every single ingredient, but like, they'll be like, Oh yeah. You know, just do like this, this and this, and you can have like a similar thing, which is all you really need. Cause mm-hmm. like, that's what cooking is. Right. It's just kind of just experimenting and, and having fun anyway. Mm.
1: Makes sense. Um, do you view, do these content creators you were talking about before, like Goggins and Jocko influence your cooking at all? Like, do you think these discipline lessons can be applied in the kitchen?
0: I think they can. For me, it doesn't really apply because I like doing it. So like, it's not hard for me to, to do it. Whereas with something mm. like, you know, waking up at 6.30 and going on a run, <laughs> I need a little <laughs> more motivation there.
1: Yeah. Do you always like cooking or is it, do you, you know, does it, do your emotions around it fluctuate?
0: Oh yeah. No, there are definitely days when I don't want to cook, but that's why like, I like if I don't want to cook one day, I'll just not cook. Like I have, like I have so much food prepared in my fridge and my, in my freezer. Like if I, like, I, I mean, I was just checking like yesterday. I didn't feel like cooking. I have, like a couple of weeks ago, I made a bolognese. I just froze a couple bags of it. And so if I'm feeling lazy one day, I don't really feel like cooking. Like I just warm one up and it's like the same effort. Basically it's just like boiling pasta and then, you know, throwing the meat sauce in and letting it warm up. So. Hmm.
1: Do you think your excitement around cooking uh, dictates how effective you are at it? Like if, if you want to do it, you'll notice that the food comes out better. If you don't want to, it comes out worse. Like, What, how does, how does that, how do your emotions dictate the quality of the product?
0: Yeah, I doesn't, for me, not, it doesn't really, um, affect it because most of the time I don't feel like cooking. Once I start cooking, I just start like, I, I start liking it. Like I never really regret cooking. And so like, there are a lot of times I don't feel like starting but you know 20 minutes into it i'm I mean, like it's fine
1: mm. so it's you have to kind of build up the momentum to get in the mood is that is that a fair I, way to somet- it?
0: sometimes but it's not like because like sometimes i want to cook yeah i'm i'm more saying like even mm. if i don't like feel like cooking in the moment by the time i finish cooking i won't like regret cooking consistently this is always true I wouldn't say always, but it's but it's like consistently true.
1: Yeah. How do you? So this is, let's say you do regret it, and whatever the food doesn't come out the way that you want it to to come out. How do you strive to keep a growth mindset in these situations and not you know just get mad about it? Like how how do you or like how do you react if you if things don't go as planned? What do you like what do
0: you Yeah, do? that depends a lot on my hunger levels basically. It's like if I'm if I'm like literally cooking dinner for myself and then like something doesn't go well, I get really annoyed because it's like shit, like I don't have something to eat now and then I have to like find something. Or it's like it just tastes bad. But if it's something more like you know, it's just like a weekend and I'm just experimenting with like something, you know, maybe I'm just like making cookies or something and then they don't turn out as I want, and I don't really care. It's like whatever, I'll just make a new batch. And that's like fully dependent on my hunger levels.
1: Okay, I see. That makes sense. What else? Yeah, uh so you wanna talk about the so you have the aura ring. You you were one of the people who recommended which I'm not wearing right now because it's charging, but you were one of the people who recommended that I purchase this this ring that basically tracks your sleep and it and and your activity. Um and and your readiness. And do you want to talk about how, how is this, this it's, I mean, it functions pretty similarly to the Apple watch. So, you know, for people listening, just to clarify what it does, um, you want to talk about how your relationship, like, how has this changed your relationship with sleep? How do you, and and longevity in general, how has this helped improve your performance in that area of your life?
0: Yeah. So I think, For most people, it is completely pointless. (laughs) Like, just to be honest, like these measurements don't really matter that much. Like, right? Because really what matters is just how you feel. And so it just doesn't really matter. For me, it's more just like an interest in knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And I like seeing that. And, I mean, even then, I take all the measurements and everything with a grain of salt. Like, I don't – I try not to let it, like, dictate, like, how I'm feeling or whatever. Yeah. I just think it's really cool to see the trends over time. And that's why I like it. It's not, like, the, the micro, like, day measurements. It's more, like, how did this month look compared to last month? You know? like. Yeah i know this month i was working out more consistently so how did my heart rate and heart variability change like month comparison right or like when i was home over the summer i noticed i was working out significantly less and my resting heart rate went higher my heart variability went lower those that's not good for people wondering you want your heart var- <laughs> heart rate variability to be high and your resting heart rate to be low mm. but yeah, I I just think it's good for the the large scale estimates, seeing what's going on. Like, I I think a lot of people get like really obsessed <coughs> with like the smaller things, and it doesn't really yeah. matter. Like, I try not to check my scores like right when I get up.
1: Yeah, I I need to stop doing that. I mean, I I, I noticed that like I don't know sometimes on nights where I know I'm gonna sleep like ass, I'll just. I I won't even wear the ring just because it's like, well, I know that I'm not. I know that my score is gonna be terrible. I know that like I have an eight thirty class and I'm up till two for whatever reason, and and it's like, do I really need this ring to tell me that I got a bad night's sleep? Like, what am I gonna learn from checking my scores in the morning after sleeping for five hours? Like, I I I I know that it's gonna be bad and that there's nothing I'm gonna learn to me it serves more of the purpose of like, okay, well, what about the nights that are completely in my control that I feel like I'm sleeping well? Am I really like sleeping this well? Like what, you know, how much sleep am I actually getting? Cause I, it's, you know, I feel like I slept eight hours, but maybe I'm not accounting for the fact that I woke up four times during the night. How did that impact my sleep? You know, also you were talking the other day about like, um, I think it was, uh, heart rate drop throughout the night? Do you want to, or heart rate variability change throughout the night? You want to talk about that? Like what role does that play in sleep?
0: Yeah, we can talk about that. I I just want to say, I highly encourage you to wear the ring. Even if you don't feel like it's going to be a good night, just because like, and just don't check it. It doesn't matter. Right. I mean, wear your ring throughout the week and just never check it for the whole week. And it's still going to be beneficial because why, you know, two months from now, when you look back, don't you want to be able to know like how many bad nights of sleep you had potentially how your heart rate was across that month, you know, how mm. it's getting better or worse. I I think all these measurements are way better to look at at like a macro scale. And you need all the like singular points True. to create a more like, a, like a more accurate average basically. Mm,
1: I see. Interesting. Yeah. That's a, That's an interesting point. I'll definitely consider that for sure. Um, But anyway, can you talk about heart rate change throughout the night and what should, what is considered optimal there? Yeah.
0: So basically optimally you want your heart rate to drop, I think in like the first third or something of your sleep to like Mm -hmm. your lowest point and then like stay low. That comes with like, you know, you being relaxed, but I think the big thing honestly is just eating. You just don't want to eat before you go to bed. I think you want to wait like three hours. And this is something I've noticed a lot because like I eat a lot of small meals throughout the day. And so it usually turned out that like I'd eat something at like 10 and I'd go to bed at, you know, 11. And like you notice it a lot in your sleep because what happens is your heart rate stays elevated for the first like half of your sleep because your body is digesting the food first and then it's Mm -hmm. like fully relaxing so it's like super bad for your sleep to eat right before you go to bed just because your heart rate's not going to lower until like the second half of your sleep and it's like super important like a good rest of sleep you know to lower first and that's impossible if you eat right before you go to bed well okay it's not
1: impossible but like if you eat a big meal just like eat something small Yeah, I'm looking at my last. So on Tuesday, my lowest heart rate was after six a.m. and I went to sleep at twelve, twelve (laughs) fifty (laughs) one. Yeah, I think it's because I'll literally go to the gym and then just eat a ton of food afterwards to like replenish my uh, calories and protein. And this is that's two things that's bad. Yeah, (laughs) you don't want to work out either before you go to bed. Really, I. I, Why though? Because it makes me feel so. Why? What's the what's the reasoning with that? Is it just because my body is well? (laughs) Quite clearly, my body is still too amped up. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's basically just that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm
0: definitely not sleeping optimally. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, but it doesn't like that's the thing, right? Because it doesn't really matter. Like, you don't need to be optimal. Like, as long as you feel good that's like that's all that really matters.
1: Is it though? Is that really true? So if I if I feel good, that then even if this ring is telling me that I suck like shit, like what what are the implications of that on long Because well, one Would bad night say? of sleep isn't really going to affect you. So like yeah. <laughs> let me
0: look at Monday then. <laughs> but like the other thing is like people don't know I guess it's okay. That's true because it is actually hard to know if you're feeling good or not. Right.
1: Because yeah, that's also true. Especially if you're be feeling drinker. good. Yeah. I was going
0: to say, I, I think like it's one of those things where it's like, just take a week off. Like don't do anything, you know, maybe like work out lightly. Don't yeah. like drink and just like have, you know, and then see how you feel then. And then like, that should be your baseline for feeling good. And then like, that's how you should kind of view like everything else.
1: Yeah. These, these numbers are so bad that I don't even. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Maybe we should wrap this up. I, I need to get some breakfast uh, before we, I, I haven't eaten yet today. So. Um, oh yeah. I want to get. Some no, that's a good point. Dude, time. I have
0: my smoothie and I haven't drinking any, any of it. Cause I've just been talking. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nice. But dude, thanks for doing this. I think those was really good. Really interesting stuff.